Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know, wherever you get podcasts. There's a change going on in the way you vote. All across America, there's a new enthusiasm for altering the process for registration, the criteria for voting, even the days and times when people can legally cast their ballots. It's all due to the Supreme Court decision this year to strike down a key provision of the Voting Rights Act that kept certain places in America under the close scrutiny of the Department of Justice. This week, while you may be touring the national parks and forests, we're going to take you on a tour of the voting booths of America. We'll look at changes in Florida, where an effort to screen and remove non-USA citizens from the voter rolls appears ready to resume. We'll turn to Texas, where state lawmakers are redrawing their maps, and to North Carolina, where a longing for voter IDs will now be free of challenges and is changing how and when people can vote. The new reality for voting rights is the consequence of the so-called Section 5 preclearance requirement. That's what the Supreme Court struck down. It applied to certain states and localities based on their history. But why wasn't federal oversight over voting rights national and uniform? Gary May is a professor of history at the University of Delaware and the author of Bending Toward Justice, the Voting Rights Act and the Transformation of American Democracy. He says in some ways the seeds of our current voting controversies were planted in the politics of the original Voting Rights Act. It became... Uh, the position of those who actually opposed uh, the Preclearance Act because it was felt that by applying it nationally, it would place such a burden on the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department, which then had a fairly modest staff and budget, that it would make the act ineffective. So both those who wanted the act to be effective uh, and those who opposed the act later Uh, actually considered that seriously, but uh, the Justice Department people rejected it while the critics pushed it. Isn't it ironic that today the Justice Department, with uh, Eric Holder at the helm, is anxious to show that it can do the kind of national oversight, precisely uh, what was rejected by the Justice Department two generations ago? Yes, I think the budget may be bigger, and I think that the Attorney General has... Uh, a very strong commitment to uh, restoring the Voting Rights Act and using the various uh, provisions that we have left. Is there a way to create a national preclearance now, or is that uh, impossible? And what is the possibility within Congress of reconsidering the selective jurisdiction uh, strategy that uh, you know, made the Voting Rights Act so successful? I think it is possible to nationalize uh, the Voting Rights Act. In fact, it already exists. The uh, Section 3 of the Voting Rights Act, which the Supreme Court did not touch on June 25th, allows for what they call a bailing in of states uh, where discrimination has been found. And what happens is a, a plaintiff goes before a federal judge and requests that this state be bailed in. The problem with uh, Section 3, which is, again, now being used uh, by the Justice Department, is that it's very difficult. The litigation involved requires that the plaintiff demonstrate that those who are interfering with voting had a clear intent to discriminate, Uh, whereas with the old Section 5, uh, 
all one had to demonstrate was that the consequence of a, a change in voting practices uh, affected African Americans or other minority rights. Remind us of the gauntlet that an African American, an unregistered African American, in the pre-clearance districts of 1962, um, would have had to go through to actually make it to the polls and vote for a Lyndon Johnson or a Richard Nixon or even a, a Barry Goldwater? It was very difficult. First, they had to fill out a personal application about their background, their name, address, uh, employer, so, so on and so forth. And if they made the slightest error, they would be immediately rejected. Then a long test followed, which required them to uh, do a number of things. White applicants could simply copy a section of the uh, Alabama state constitution. African Americans, however, had that section dictated to them, which made it extremely difficult. White applicants had to copy a simple one-sentence section of the Alabama state constitution and interpret it. African-American applicants, as I say, had to take it down like stenographers, and it was a very long, complicated passage. Then there were questions that uh, I suspect a Harvard PhD couldn't answer. Um, How many bubbles are there in a bar of soap? Name all of the Alabama state judges. There were 67 of them in 1965. Well, let's say a miracle occurred and, and someone actually passed that test. If they did, their names and addresses were published in the local newspaper for two weeks, announcing to anyone who wanted to do them harm that they'd successfully registered to vote. And very often, people were fired from their positions because they had registered to vote. And among those who were especially reluctant even to try to register were Selma's teachers because their jobs were dependent upon uh, the sufferance of white school boards. So it was uh, an impossible uh, situation. And uh, if we are to take Chief Justice Roberts at his word that times have changed and that that gauntlet in the way that you've described it, no longer exists. How confident are you that a new gauntlet won't replace it or isn't replacing it now in localities both within the preclearance districts and outside of it around the country? Well, I somehow remain hopeful. If you know anything, again, about the history of the Voting Rights Act, about the people who risked everything, their, their jobs, their homes, even their lives, you know that this is simply not going to go away. I would hope that people would read the stories in this book because not only is it dramatic, it is so inspiring to see what these people have done. And if they could show the same kind of commitment, courage, and persistence, we will turn this thing around. Gary May is a professor of history at the University of Delaware, the author of Bending Toward Justice, the Voting Rights Act, and the Transformation of American democracy. Professor May, thanks so much. Thank you.